comfortable. You're standing with me. You don't have to turn because we're, we're reading. We're in Ruth, the second chapter. And, and I'm, I'm in the vein of this study we're doing from the book of Ruth. And I just felt so strongly yesterday afternoon as I was working on putting together a thought that, that the Lord spoke a specific word for this service. There are people under the sound of my voice right now. You need to hear what God wants to say in this place this morning. Amen. Amen. So we're teaching from Ruth. The text is going to be Ruth, the second chapter, verses 18 through 23. And rather than read that at the outset, I'll read it as we encounter it in the in the text of the message. So the, the title this morning is What a Difference a Day Can Make. What a difference. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I'm asking right now. You'll allow the anointing of the Holy Ghost to continue to move and minister, amen, to begin to touch and bless. I believe, Lord, you're restoring, you're renewing, you're refreshing, amen. There are people under the sound of my voice uh, that are being blessed by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, but I don't believe you're finished yet, Lord. I believe this is that day that changes everything for somebody in this house this morning. I believe this is that day that forever rearranges everything in life, uh, and I'm asking the name of Jesus. You allow the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, just to minister as we preach the Word of God. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Sister Branch, I think it is. I'm so glad you're here this morning. Thank you so much for coming out to worship. Why don't you give her a round of applause? Amen. There is a story that will be very familiar to you. You've probably heard it before story of an elderly gentleman who was walking down the beach one day and he saw a young lad and that young boy was picking up starfish and he was flinging them back into the ocean and as the older gentleman drew near he he asked the young man he said what are you doing and the young man said well I'm I'm throwing starfish into the ocean and so the old man smiled and thought ah, this Young man, he, he's not wise in the ways of the world. He said, the, 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 the sun is up, the young man said, and, and, and the, the tide is going out. Uh, and if I don't throw the starfish back into the ocean, uh, they're going to die. And so the old man said, well, I need to educate uh, this young man. Uh, hey, do you realize, young man, that there are miles and miles and miles uh, of beachfront? Uh, and on those miles of be- beachfront, uh, there are this kind of a display of starfish all the way down through there. And there's absolutely no way that you can reach enough of them in time. Uh, you can never make a difference. To that, the young man simply bent over and picked up another starfish and flung it into the ocean and said it made a difference to that one. It made a difference to that one. It's one thing to have one bad day. It's another thing all together together to have a whole string of bad days. So many bad days that they turn into a bad month. Uh, So many bad months uh, that it becomes a bad year. And so many bad years that it becomes the worst season of your life. Uh, And when you find yourself uh, in that hopeless, endless procession of days, uh, it becomes difficult to believe uh, that any single day could ever change the course uh, of events, uh, could ever make a difference. Uh, That has to be where Naomi, Naomi was one bad decision on her husband's part 
turned her and her family out of the house of Bethlehem uh, and, and sent them to the, the, the land of Moab. Uh, and that one bad decision turned into a multitude of bad days. Uh, amen. Her husband would die there. Her children would die there. She would leave that place penniless and broken and destitute. Uh, amen. And it, it becomes difficult, surely, for Naomi to believe that anything could ever change uh, in her life. Uh, she's finally come back to Bethlehem, uh, but she's not come back uh, the way she went out. Uh, she went out full, uh, but she's come back empty. Uh, she's come back bitter. Uh, she's come back broken and without hope. She was so convinced that the judgment of God was against her that she tried to change her name. She told folks, I don't want you to call me Naomi anymore. Naomi means pleasant. But I want you to call me Mara because the word Mara means bitter. What she was saying was my entire outlook on life has changed. When I left the house of God, I was pleasant. When I left the house of God, things were good. But I've come back now and I'm bitter and I'm broken and I'm hungry and I'm desperate and I'm destitute and I'm completely dependent on the goodness of my daughter-in-law to go glean in the fields so that we might both survive. It must have seemed to Naomi as if things would never look up again, as if she'd used up the last of her good fortune and was doomed to live a hopeless existence. But what she didn't realize was that this was that day. This was the day that was going to change everything. This was the day that was going to forever alter the course of her life. The 18th verse of the second chapter of Ruth says, and she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was suffice. So picking up the story where we left off last week, Naomi's first full day in Bethlehem begins with sending her daughter off to work, her daughter-in-law, as a gleaner in the fields. Uh, amen. That's a position where they would essentially rely on the charity of others to help them get by. There was a special provision in the law for the poor and the penniless. Uh, they were given the opportunity to go to the field uh, and collect the leftovers and the farmers had to abide by a law that said they couldn't cut the corners of the field. They had to leave that for the gleaners. Uh, and if they dropped any grain on the ground while they were harvesting, they couldn't pick that back up. They had to leave that for the gleaners. And if by chance they missed grain somewhere along the way, they couldn't go back and, and cut it again. They had to leave that for the charity, for the gleaners to come and, and get their food. It was a type of social welfare with a simple caveat that you had to be willing to go out and work for it to get it. And Ruth had volunteered to go to the fields and to glean from the barley harvest so that she and Naomi would have enough to eat. Now, we've already established the fact in the study that Ruth was an attractive young lady. 
And it must have been somewhat frightening for Naomi to watch her walk out into the fields uh, on her own without anybody to watch over her. Of course, what Naomi hadn't realized yet, and what we've begun to glimpse through the seven weeks that we've been studying the story of Ruth, uh, is that God was watching over her. Amen. Boaz told her just a few weeks ago, you come under the protective wings. Uh, the shadow of the Almighty uh, has settled down on you. It's God that's protecting and preserving you. But Naomi doesn't realize that. For Naomi, it's been a procession of bad days that have become a bad month, bad year, and a bad season of her life. And so you can imagine then how anxious she must have been while Ruth was going out to the fields on that fateful day. I can just imagine her as evening time came and the workers began to return from the fields coming back to Bethlehem. I can imagine Naomi as she diligently watched uh, for the first glimpse of Ruth. Uh, it's also easy for me to imagine that Ruth isn't among the first that come back from the field. Uh, if you'll remember from last week's lesson, Ruth had been abundantly blessed by Boaz, and as a result of that, she's gleaned about 20 to 25 pounds uh, of, of grain. She has to take that, and she has to beat it out, and she has to thresh it, and she has to get it where, where the husk is removed, and it's down to that, that simple grain. That takes time. It takes a little work. Uh, it takes a little effort, and then once she's got all that gathered up, uh, she has to carry it somehow, Perhaps she takes a shawl uh, and she puts it in the shawl and wraps it up like a bag. Uh, but she has to transport that back to Bethlehem. Our text starts with these words. She took it up. What that tells me is Ruth didn't go to Boaz and say, Could you loan me a young man to carry my burden back? to Bethlehem for me. Now, I have to imagine that if she had gone and asked after all that Boaz has done, she would have never had to carry the grain from the field. But it says something about Ruth's character that she had received such generosity and been blessed in such manner that she determined to transport her own grain back to Bethlehem. I don't know how many of you have ever carried 25 pounds for very far. I, I carry corn through the deer woods, and I know that after it starts out easy, it starts out light. It starts out, you think, well, this isn't so bad. But after a little while, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier the further you go. And I, I can just imagine that for Ruth, that 25-pound shawl full of, of grain gets heavier and heavier, and it takes her a long time. Maybe she has to stop and rest along the way. Maybe she has to uh, take a period to get her strength back. But it's, it's a long time before Ruth comes back. To the, from the field to Bethlehem. And by the time she finally gets back to Bethlehem, Naomi must be beside herself with worry and fear and doubt. But when she finally saw Ruth, even at a distance, Naomi could see that she was carrying quite a load of grain and, and that no doubt she was smiling from ear to ear. She, she didn't have the dejected look of somebody who was in poverty. She had the look of someone who's been blessed. Amen. She's excited. She can't wait to tell the events of the day. What has just happened to Ruth is a miracle. Amen. God has intervened on her behalf. And it, it immediately becomes apparent to Naomi that this has been a good day. She just doesn't realize yet how good it is. Amen. She doesn't realize yet that this is the one day 
that will make a difference for the rest of her days. The one day that's going to turn the tide of a whole string of bad days. And over the course of the next few verses, the narrator focuses on Naomi's transformation as she comes to realize the importance of this day. It starts with her seeing the abundance of grain that Ruth has gleaned in the field, far more than the day's supply. There's enough here to sustain them for days, perhaps even weeks. And, 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 and then as Ruth comes in with the grain and she surveys the, the tremendous amount of grain that she's been able to glean, then Ruth produces another package that she has tucked away somewhere. The Bible said that she brought out the leftovers from lunch. You remember Boaz fed her well. Amen. He gave her not just the bread that he gave to his regular workers, but he gave her the roasted grain that was specially prepared for her, and she had enough, uh, or for him, and she had enough left over that she brought that food back uh, to Naomi. So here is this grain that she's harvested, and here is this freshly roasted grain that's been cooked in the field, and here is this bread uh, that's already prepared, uh, and all of a sudden Naomi begins to realize something special has happened today. Something special is taking place. This isn't just like any other day. Amen. This isn't like yesterday and the day before and the day before that. There's something about this day that is different. In verse 19, her mother-in-law said unto her, Where, where hast thou gleaned today? And where rottest thou? Rottest is the word for work. Where, where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Uh, amen. We start to see Naomi's excitement uh, as she quickly asked Ruth, uh, what, what, what happened? Where where did you go? Where, what field did you end up in? Uh, where have you? And, and, and as you begin to read this, you have to remember that this is not a random telling of events. This is a carefully constructed narrative given by divine inspiration, penned to be a part of the Word of God. And the repetition of questions here is not just something that happens by chance. It's an indicator of Naomi's building excitement. She, she wants to ask where you've been, what you've done, who is it that's blessed you. But the questions, you ever been in that place, the questions are coming out so fast uh, that Ruth doesn't have the time to answer them. Uh, uh, where have you been? Where did you work? Who has blessed you? Amen. What has happened? It's that, it's that flow of excitement beginning to build uh, in Naomi. What she really wants to know is who it is that has blessed Naomi or Ruth this day. Who is it? Whose field was it? Where did you end up? Who made it profitable for you to glean? Who has fed you bread and roasted grain? That, that wasn't expected. Uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, who has shown you such tremendous favor? So finally, after asking those questions in rapid fire, before she ever gets an answer, she exclaims, Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. Blessed be the man that has blessed you. That's a significant statement for Naomi. It signals the change in Naomi's character. When Naomi came back to Bethlehem, she wasn't a cheerful person. She wasn't blessed. As a matter of fact, the word blessed was nowhere in her vocabulary. When she was arguing with her daughter-in-law, trying to send them back to Moab, she told them God had cursed her. She told them that her name should be called bitter, that she, there was nothing good in her life. She wasn't talking about blessings before, but now things begin to turn for her. Now things begin to change. And instead of focusing on bitterness, she's pronouncing blessings. And the scripture goes on to say that Ruth showed her mother-in-law 
with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. So in response to Naomi's question, Ruth revealed that she'd been gleaning in the field that belonged to Boaz. Now, i got to throw this in here. That, that Hebrew word for showed, and she showed her mother-in-law with whom she'd wrought, that word showed indicates that Ruth did a whole lot more than just say what's contained in the text there. She told a whole lot more than just the name of the man, Boaz. She told the whole story. She shared everything. She laid it out and showed it to her. She she walked her through the events of her day from beginning to end. Uh, she told how that Boaz had blessed her. She told how that she had gleaned among the, the ones who were making the sheaves. She shared every detail of Boaz's kindness and generosity. All that he had done for her is contained in that she showed her mother. Amen. She told her not just a little. She told her all of it. Verse 20, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. So when the story was shared and the details of Boaz's kindness have been fully relayed to Naomi, she spontaneously erupts into another blessing. Amen. But this time, uh, I love this second blessing. Uh, what she says, basically, if I can translate it into McCall's modern English version, uh, what she says is, may God bless him. Uh, may the Lord bless him. Uh, it's a tacit acknowledgement of the fact uh, that Naomi doesn't have the resources uh, to bless Boaz uh, for what he's done. It's, it's an acknowledgement of the fact uh, that Boaz has been good. Uh, amen. He's blessed Ruth abundantly and I don't have anything to bless him with. Uh, I just had to rely on the Lord uh, to do for me uh, what I cannot do for myself. Uh, would you bless him God? The Hebrew form of prayer there is, is a form of commending someone to the Lord for a blessing. It's a, it's a prayer to God saying, Lord, I know I can't repay. I know I, I can't. I, there's no way I can meet his kindness uh, with anything of substance. Uh, but, Lord, I'm asking you to do it. I know how that feels. Have you ever felt that way? I remember very well the days after Harrison was born and with, with the congenital heart defect and we're in the heart cardiac unit at Arkansas Children's Hospital and we lived for several weeks in the waiting room sleeping in those folding chairs among strangers so that we were near our boy because we didn't know from day to day whether or not he was going to make it and I remember feeling so helpless but I remember the many different people who came there and blessed us brought us food they brought us money I wasn't working couldn't pay the bills didn't even care about the bills at that time but they brought us I, I'll never forget the church took up an offering and they brought us a, an offering that was equivalent of my couple of weeks of pay that I had missed and and different ones came and they they blessed us so tremendously and I remember feeling the way that Naomi must have felt there's no way I can repay this kindness there's no way I can give back to you for in full measure what you've given to me and I discovered then that the only thing that I could do was commend them to the Lord for a blessing that's whenever the words God bless you became such a major part of my vocabulary it was an acknowledgement of the fact that I can't bless you God's gonna have to bless you I 
I can't repay this. God's going to have to repay this. All I can say to you is may God richly bless you for your goodness and your kindness. That's the best that I could do. I got to imagine that's how Naomi's feeling at this point. Amen. The best that she can do is just ask God to bless Boaz. This is what she said. Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Now, the statement of gratitude indicates that Boaz had possibly helped Naomi's family previously before they left Bethlehem. The dead that she's referring to is Elimelech, her husband, and her, her dead children that died in Moab. It may even indicate that whenever Elimelech decided to leave Bethlehem during the midst of the famine and go to Moab, it may even indicate that he spurned the help uh, of his rich, wealthy kinsmen uh, and, and, and said, you know what, I, I don't want your help. Uh, I'll go make my own way. I'll go preserve myself. Uh, it may even mean that when they went to Moab and left Bethlehem that they, that they neglected or rejected the help of Boaz. Whatever it means, it was a disastrous move because instead of peace and prosperity in Moab, all Naomi found there was brokenness, bitterness, and heartache. She went out full. She came back empty. But in her empty state, this is what she says, in her emptiness she discovers the kindness of Boaz has not ended. He didn't quit. He didn't leave off his kindness. He was kind to them before they left. And he's still kind to her when they come back home. Uh, we've said all along that Boaz is an image uh, uh, of Christ in this story. It's a, he, he is a, a type or a shadow of the goodness of the Lord. Uh, amen. And this is what we discover in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Paul praises God for the riches of his goodness and forbearance uh, and long-suffering and even declares the words that Ryan sung this morning. Uh, it's the goodness of God. God, uh, that leads men to repentance. Uh, amen. All too often we do what Naomi and Elimelech did. Uh, we spurn the goodness of God. Uh, we spurn the blessings of God. And we go out to pursue our own way and pursue our own will and do our own thing uh, and take a journey down to Moab. Uh, but in Moab we don't find peace uh, and we don't find prosperity and we don't find blessing. Instead we find bitterness and brokenness. Uh, and emptiness. But what Naomi discovered was that when she went back to the house of God, when she went back to Bethlehem, the goodness of God was still there. The blessings of God were still there. She may have left him, but he never cut her off. She may have abandoned him, but he never abandoned her. She may have walked out on the goodness of God, but the goodness of God never turned its back on her. It was there all along, waiting for her to return. We would do well this morning to recognize the same truth 
Just because you find yourself in the broken land of Moab, it doesn't mean that you've been cut off from the goodness of the Lord. Just because you find yourself in places of brokenness and bitterness uh, and hurt and wounded, uh, it doesn't mean uh, that God's turned his back on you. Amen. It doesn't mean uh, that you're outside of his goodness and his blessing. It just means, uh, amen, that you need to turn your heart back towards home. Uh, It just means you need to go back to Bethlehem. You need to go back to where you left it. Uh, You need to go back to where you left off the goodness of God because when you get there you're going to find out his goodness is still here Uh, his blessings are still real Uh, and the moment that you turn back home uh, the moment you turn back to him uh, you're going to discover for yourself uh, what Naomi discovered for herself that he never cut off his goodness he never turned off his blessings and Naomi said to her this man Boaz, this man is near kin to us. He's one of our next kinsmen. When Naomi learned that it was Boaz who had showed Ruth such kindness in her life, that's the moment when the sun rises again. She's been walking in this dark cloud of bitterness and brokenness. But all of a sudden, she recognizes uh, in the character of Boaz, uh, what she says when she says kinsman, that that word doesn't translate real well from the Hebrew to the English. Uh, It's not the word kinsman that was used earlier when she was arguing with her daughters and said, I have to have a kinsman for you to marry. That's not the word here. This word is kinsman redeemer. Amen. It's it's a word that says there is one person uh, who can redeem you out of your trouble. Uh, There is an individual uh, who can redeem you out of your heartache. There is a redeemer. Amen. And that's the one that you've encountered in the field. That's the one who's shown you his goodness. He's your kinsman redeemer. That means that Boaz is in position by blood relationship to redeem the estate of Elimelech and fulfill the duty of a kinsman to Ruth. That means that he can marry her by law. Amen. And in marrying her by law, he can redeem her out of her trouble and trial. Now there is some foreshadowing here, and we'll see it play out in the future chapters because though Boaz can and eventually will redeem Ruth, the the plot thickens a little bit because Naomi reveals there's another kinsman. He's one of our next kinsman. He's not the only one. As a matter of fact, we'll find out later he's not even first in line. But we'll also learn later that the other kinsman has no interest in Ruth. And Boaz would eventually take Ruth for his wife. Verse 21 says, And Ruth the Moabitess. I just find it interesting. We've already left Moab. Ruth's already come out of that land, and, and she's put her faith in God. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you die, that's where I'm going to die. I'm going to worship your God. I'm going to follow your God. But the Scripture keeps calling her Ruth the Moabitess. I, I don't think it's intended to be an insult. I think it's intended to be a reminder to underscore the great goodness of God, that Ruth was an outsider, that Ruth wasn't ever supposed to be a part of the blessing plan. 
Ruth wasn't ever supposed to be under the shadow of the wings of, of the Almighty. Ruth is an outsider, but she's been brought under God's protective care and blessing. Now Ruth tells Naomi of Boaz's request that she harvest in his fields for the rest of the harvest season. In other words, Boaz's favor was not just for one day. This is the day that changes everything, but it doesn't end uh, when the sun goes down. Uh, this day sets the rest of your days uh, in order. This day changes everything moving forward. This day impacts all the days uh, that are going to come after. This isn't just a good day. This isn't just a momentary blessing. This isn't just a, a chance meeting uh, or a chance encounter. Uh, this is opening the door to a whole new course for your life. This great blessing that has changed Ruth's life is a blessing that's going to continue into the foreseeable future. This good day was going to be the first of many good days to follow. It would be the day that will forever change the tide of Ruth and Naomi's life. But there's another side that I want you to consider this morning to the story. Even though Ruth is abundantly blessed, even though... Everything has changed. Even though all of her bad days are now behind her, Ruth still had to go to the field. And Ruth still had to glean the grain. Ruth still had to pick up every morning and go out to the field and work under the hot, blazing sun, not just for a day or two, but for months. For months. She had to go. Her Redeemer has come. The kinsman that is going to save her from her trouble and trial has come. Amen. But still she has to go to the field because as long as she stays in the field, she's going to be blessed. Those handfuls on purpose uh, that she got on that first day, they're going to be there the next day and the day after, the day after that. That blessing that she encountered uh, on that first day, uh, that blessing is going to follow after her day after day after day. But she's got to go to the field to get it. Uh, she's got to be there among the laborers. Uh, she's got to do her part. Uh, she's got to go stand in the way uh, and get in the field uh, and meet up with the gleaners uh, and go and work every single day. It doesn't relieve her of the responsibility of obeying the Lord. It doesn't relieve her of the responsibility of doing what he's asked her to do. Amen. Verse 22, And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So Naomi encourages Ruth not to let this opportunity pass her by. Amen. She has uh, encourages her to, to go back to the field every day, to be there. Don't ever let them see you in another field. Don't ever let them see you anywhere else. You need to get up. Now, I know sometimes you're going to be tired. I know sometimes it's going to be difficult. I know sometimes uh, you're going to be exhausted from the labor, uh, but you need to go every day uh, and get the blessing that are there. You need to go every day. Huh? Amen. Because Boaz is going to bless you as long as you're in the field. So many people want the blessings, but they don't want to go to the field. 
Amen. They want to reap the benefit. They want to do their own thing, though. They want to ignore the decision of the master, the directions of the master, but they still want to reap the benefits of his kindness. Uh, when you know that you're working where God has told you to work, when you know you're in the field that he's told you to be in, uh, you just got to stay there. You just got to keep doing what he's called you to do uh, because the blessings are only going to come in the field. Amen. Finally, the 23rd verse says, So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. This last verse of chapter 2 spans several months in just a few words. Ruth arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest sometime late uh, March, early April. Sometime in there is when she first arrived at Bethlehem. Barley harvest kicks off right then. The wheat harvest follows the barley harvest. After the barley's out of the field, they start harvesting the wheat. That happens sometime around June, extends through July and into early August. And so this conversation that is happening in between Ruth and Naomi, it's happening on the first day of the barley harvest. This is sometime in late March and early April. Amen. But the narrator now spans all the way up to July, August, somewhere at the end of the harvest season, and tells us that Ruth stayed in Boaz's field all the way through both the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. Boaz didn't say anything about wheat, but she stayed in his field all the way through the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. She was faithful. She was steadfast. Whatever came her way, she stayed in the master's field. The world will always try to get you to go to another field. The world will always try to convince you there's an easier way, there's a better way, or there's another way, just like it convinced Naomi and Elimelech to leave Bethlehem and go to Moab. It'll try to convince you, amen, that you, you can take a break from the master's field, uh, but you have to understand uh, the blessings uh, come because you stay in the field. Uh, the blessings come uh, because you're pursuing his will and his purpose and his plan for your life. Uh, the other field owners uh, aren't going to bless Ruth uh, the way Boaz has blessed Ruth. Uh, the other field owners aren't going to do for her what Boaz is doing for her. Uh, and if she had left the field of Boaz, uh, she would have ended up just like Naomi ended up in Moab, broken and empty and destitute. There's a great principle at work in the story of Ruth at this point. This is a love story, and we're about to shift gears. We're going to get into the love story part of the story in chapter 3, and the, the rest of this is going to be a little more romantic than it's been up to this point. But for now, the important principle that the narrator is trying to get across to the reader is that it's important that you stay in the field. That's where the handfuls on purpose are. That's where the living water is. That's where the bread's going to come from. That's where the roasted grain is going to come from. That's where you're going to find your sustenance. That's where you're going to find your blessing. That's where you're going to find your provision. You've got to go to the field. You've got to stay in the field. Because when you make God's business your business, he'll make your business his business. Amen? What a difference a day can make. Would you stand with me? Brother Ryan, if you'd come to the music.
When Naomi woke up on that fateful morning, her life was a wreck. Her hope was gone. Her outlook was dismal. She wanted to be called bitter instead of blessed. But in the course of a single day, just 12 hours from sunrise to sunset, God showered Ruth and Naomi with his blessings and forever changed the course of their lives. I felt it strongly yesterday, and I feel it again very strongly this morning. This is that day for somebody in this house this morning. God in his goodness has never abandoned you. He's never turned his back on you. He's never cut you off. He's just waiting for you to come home. He's just waiting for you to come back. He's just waiting for you to turn your heart back to heaven. Amen. His mercy is everlasting. His goodness is forever. Amen. His mercies are flowing in this house. His blessings are waiting for you in his field. It's time then to get back to the field. It's time then to go back to the house of God. It's time to discover again the goodness of the Lord. So often we expect God to say, you know what, you got to start all over. you got to go back to the beginning. You don't pass, go, and don't collect $200. Go back all the way back to the beginning and start all over. But that's not the way it works with God. When you turn your heart back to home, uh, He picks up His blessings right where He left off. Uh, he picks up His goodness right where you were. Amen. You walk right back into the same blessing and the same favor and the same goodness uh, that you abandoned uh, when you left Him behind. Uh, amen. His goodness uh, and His blessing uh, is flowing in this house uh, this morning. There may have been a whole lot of bad days, but I believe that today is the one day that will make an eternal difference in your life. I believe this is the day that changes everything. Amen. I'm going to ask you to come to an altar today, and I'm going to ask you to come with an expectation. There's a goodness of God that's flowing in this house. As a blessing of God that's flowing in this place right now. God's getting ready to work a miracle. God's getting ready to lose somebody. He's getting ready to bless somebody. I want you to come. I want you to turn your heart to heaven and say, Lord, I, I need the goodness of God. I need the blessings of God. I'm going to get back in the field. I'm going to get back where you called me to be. I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm going to put my hands back into your labor, God. And I need your blessing. I need your goodness. I need the blessing of the Lord. And what you're going to discover in the next few moments is that he never turned off his goodness. He never turned off the fountain of his blessings. He never cut you off from his presence. He's still there and it's still rich and it's still real and it's still flowing through this place today. This is that day. This is that place. This is that time where everything changes. Would you call out to him right now?